This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as past teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Today, we have the privilege, we've had all weekend, but today we have the privilege of hearing from a couple that really uh, is pioneers in our nation. Pioneers for breaking glass ceilings uh, and plowing new ground. And uh, John Helm Burns come from Vancouver, outside Vancouver in British Columbia. They've planted multiple churches, but the church they pastored the longest is when they started called Relate Church. Uh, they've transitioned now to their daughter and is thriving, and uh, it's a beacon on the West Coast. And God has really opened doors for them to become really, their words, almost like mom and dad to so many churches globally, teaching on relationships and communication and just being healthy, uh, helping ch- healthy churches and healthy leaders. They're used by Hillsong on their channel and the Hillsong Network. And in Canada, we have the gift of them. And, and you're going to, they're brilliant on stage, but they're even better off the stage. How many phone calls have I gotten from John encouraging us in this journey? And, and to know them is to love them. And we think success is those that know you best love you most. And these are very successful, successful people. We love them so much. Can we give a round of applause, a Nova Church welcome for John and Helen Burns. Wow, you really are good looking. Mike didn't lie. He's been telling me we're the best looking church. Oh, look at we met Mike and Nancy. We knew the people here were gorgeous. Hello, hi, you guys. Just, just answer this. Do you love church? Oh, I love church. I'm, I'm like a kid in a candy shop in church. Really, it's my favorite place on earth. Disneyland is not the happiest place on earth. Right here is the happiest place on earth. And I just want to encourage you. Um, my, my wife's got a great message, but let, let me just say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Okay? Thank you. So we, we really need you. Our nation needs you. I don't know if you know this, but, it, you know, there the world's gone a little crazy in lots of different ways. And even though we have a, an election, and I hope everybody voted, um, the government's it's not tomorrow. the answer. <laughs> the government's not the answer. We already voted. Because yes, we, we weren't home tomorrow. But um, the answer is church. It's Jesus, but he chose to do it through church, and it's us. It's what happens here. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, 34 years ago, I was a dentist, and God got a hold of my life. He healed our marriage. I used to stutter like crazy. All of a sudden, I, you know, he, he filled me with the Holy Spirit, and I couldn't shut up, really. And I haven't shut up since. But um, I just, everything, my, my life was just exploding in so many directions. And I didn't know really what to do with it, even though I'd went through all those years of university. But somebody asked me the question. They said, listen, I can, I can settle this for you. Because the, the fact is you can do anything you want with the rest of your life. And that's true for every person here. Just answer this. And this is a really good question to keep asking yourself. You, you can do anything you want. Just answer this. What's the best? Because once you answer that, you, you figured it out. Because why settle for anything less than the best? So when they asked, when they said that, there was no question. To me, the best is church. But you've never been to Bible school. You've never been to this. You've never been. But, but so what? I read the Bible, and there's a bunch of fishermen in there. 
that Jesus used. So if he could use fishermen, he can use a dentist. So I stepped out of the boat 34 years ago, and that first step, wow, I get emotional thinking about it. That first step changed the world for me, for us, for our family, for so many. And that's true for every one of us in here. And I love it that you mentioned it already, Mike, but um, that you have this thing called next steps. Because I'll promise you for every single one of you in here, every single one of us, there's a next step. And the next step, it's, it's amazing. But the next step starts with you. Just answer this question, what's the best? Never settle for anything less. It starts with you, but the next step never ends with you. It, it, it goes on and on and on, and we can change the world. And I believe the answer that we need in Canada is actually hundreds of churches like this. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And for some of you in this room, you maybe never crossed your mind, but there's a church in you. And just keep on keeping on, taking those steps, and you're going to be wow, wowed with what's on the other side. And I was so glad, Mike, that you have got the worst jokes. Not bad. They're actually better than yours. Because <laughs> she leaned over to me and she said, I'll never complain about your dad no, jokes again. I did say that. That's what she said to He's me. He's never done dad jokes before, but in his old age, he started to do dad jokes. <laughs> Sorry. I was in I was in Ottawa and I was oh, teaching on, no. on how we're supposed it's, to live a life everybody say, stay Ugh. amazed. <laughs> and I said, you know, you should live a life of live a life in awe to wah. <laughs> it was so bad. Yours are better. <laughs> I love my husband. Forty-five years I've been married to that boy. I've met him at Killarney High School and he was definitely the cutest boy in the football team, and the rest is history. Um so I want to talk about Better Together, that we really, really are. Your church is fantastic. I heard how great it was, and then we got to meet your pastors and fell in love with them, and we kind of like watched what was God was doing here over line. We were cel uh, online. Um, we were celebrating when you planted, and to see what has happened, because people would put their hand up, said, we're just willing, let's go, and look at who showed up. Your team is beautiful, every part of it. Your pastors are stunning. They are loved everywhere. You have a treasure in them, and uh, a great future and a great hope, and so I'm excited. And I want to talk a little bit about church today. It, it is our passion. You don't readily just lay down a very successful, thriving practice and, and all of the security that that could bring unless there's something that God is inviting you to do. So when God invited us to plant a church, it seemed like the scariest thing and the most exciting thing. And there's been moments that I thought, what are we doing? Well, that's constant, but, but I'm so thankful that, that we did put our hand up as well. And across this nation, the nation I love, I'm the firstborn of a big old family. That, um, of my grandparents were refugees. They escaped Russia during the revolution. If you know the whole story of the Mennonite Brethren people, many escaped. Um, and my parents and grandparents, my parents were born in Paraguay, South America, so I've, but we speak German. So I have a very mixed up history, but I feel very grateful. I was the firstborn of my family in Canada, and I was always taught to love this nation, and I do passionately. And so I, what even tomorrow being a, uh, an election day, yes, John and I cast an early ballot, 
because we knew we'd be flying tomorrow. But um, never take for granted the freedom and the beauty that we have living in this nation. It's not without challenges. It's not without a lot that is, that is challenging. But I do believe that the church, a healthy church, is the hope of this nation. And so I love the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm honored to serve it. I'm honored to. I was brought to church. I was born on a Sunday and showed up the next week. So, uh, you know, that is my childhood. But 33 years ago, I was a fresh 30 years old. Some of you think that's old. It's not. But uh, I was 30 years old. Our church was six months old. And a couple of families had left our church. I thought nobody would ever leave. I just thought they would come and stay forever. And I felt like I was the greatest failure of the world because I thought even if they left, they would come politely and we would just bless them. And they just left. And so I felt like I had failed traumatically. And, and during that season, I was supposed to go with John to a conference that was in Seattle. And I said, I can't go. I was all packed and just leaving the house. I'm like, I'm not coming with you. And he looked at me like, are you kidding me? I said, no, I just can't go. I was so heartbroken um, that, that there was this challenge with even the church community. I just thought this would never happen. And it did. And so John went to the conference without me in Seattle. And he did the unpardonable sin, I think. Because what he did is bring the pastor home from the pastors. At the, she, was, she was the lead pastor along with her husband. She came home. And so sat down with me and had a big talk. And I was so embarrassed that I couldn't kind of cope. And he had to bring her home, which was a three-hour drive to Seattle. And there she sat with me. And she, I mean, through my tears and, and her trying to console me she, in their church was six years old at the time. She said, Helen, church is like family. Church isn't perfect. There's stuff that happens that sometimes breaks your heart. But you stay together. You figure it out. You don't just give up because it gets hard. And some of you are here and you think, oh, I'd never leave, and I pray you don't. But you're going to have to make some good decisions to stay connected because the enemy is always trying to pull you out. And as soon as you make a commitment, you do the next steps. There's going to be opportunity. There's just stuff that happens in context of family that sometimes you think, well, that wasn't fun because that's just a little piece of it, but there's so much good. But for me, I was devastated, and I had to grow up. I had to recognize, what is it going to take for me to be a healthy leader, to actually build the church, not hide when things got hard, but actually step up and build what God had asked us to build. And so family, like I said, it's not perfect, but it's important. And yes, it's like a community. Church is a community, and this is God's idea. And if it was easy... Everything would always be perfect and not challenging, but we have an enemy and he's real. But this is the good news. Jesus has overcome our enemy, and when we stand with him, we can win and we can overcome every battle that rises against us. We have to fight for this family. I could say that over and over again today. Fight for this family. Fight for your family your um, nuclear family, but fight for this family. And then fight for this family globally. Fight for it in your nation. Fight for it in your city. Fight for this family because the fight is real. But let's stand together, shoulder to shoulder, and take out the enemy as we fight for this family. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 through 11 says this, two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. If one falls down, 
The other can help them up. But it's bad for the person who's alone and falls because there is no one there to help. If two lie down together, they will be warm, but a person alone will not be warm. You know, that day that John brought the pastor's wife back and had a chat with me, that was a two or better than one, and even three. I mean, I know God was in the equation, but I needed people to say, get up, Helen, and keep going. Don't lie down. And don't get cold in this situation. I'm here with you. John's here with you. There's a lot of people with you. Let's keep going. And you need to remind yourself about that. Andre Moreau said, Without family, man alone in the world trembles in the cold. I want to encourage you. Stay close. Stay to the warmth, close to the warmth of the family. Because God has called you there. And the strength of your family will be determined by how and where you stand in times of great challenge and difficulty. We know that in our marriage. When we got up and decided to fight for our marriage, we were living in two different cities 40 years ago. I was pregnant with our third daughter, and I had to get up and learn how to fight for our family. And on the other side of that fight was a miracle, and John and I, our marriage came together, and that's when John got filled with the Holy Spirit. So did I. That was a transformational time in our life. Came back to God, built our family, and God has led us forward. You've got to get up. Where do you stand when it's hard? The enemy says run and hide, but God says huddle together, come together. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. It's a beautiful African proverb. I think of it often. So I want to talk to you for a few moments out of Ephesians chapter 4. There's just four points that are in this portion of Scripture, and they're going to come up on the screen, I think, for you. But I want to draw these four characteristics that I think are vital to the picture of a healthy family. And I want to encourage you to think of them when it comes to the church family, when it comes to your family, even when it comes to your business environment and what you are creating. These characteristics are essential to build in a healthy way. And the first one I want to talk about is unity. So listen to this. Verses 4 through 6 from Ephesians chapter 4. And let's just make a note. Paul is writing this from prison. He is in a prison. He's thinking about his family, though he's distant from them at that time. He is writing to the family of God, and he's telling them how to behave, how to care for each other, and how to build the kingdom of God. And these are just some of his powerful words right here, starting in verse 1. It says, As a prisoner of the Lord, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank. Giving you, given you in your divine calling. You all have a divine calling, and you all have a high rank. With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate greatness, I mean gentleness and gen- generous love toward one another. And then it says, especially, everybody say especially, toward those who may try your patience. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Spirit among you in the bonds of peace. Being one body and one spirit, you were called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. For the Lord God is one, and so are we. Can you say, so are we? We are. We are one. For we share one faith, one baptism, one Father. He is the perfect Father who leads us all, works through us all, and lives in us all. So here we go. We are one family. I love this in the Mirror Study Bible. It says this. There is only one body and one spirit. We are inseparably one, the same hope, in the same hope. There is no plan B. 
we bear the same surname. How good is that? So hello, brother. Hello, sister. We are family. And I am incredibly protective of this family. I get tender when I ever talk about the family because so many people in the world disparage when they say the word church and they use this word in just a broad sweep, the church, and talk about it in a negative way. Let it not be so of us. But when we talk about the church, we talk about the goodness of God and and the beauty of the church, that it is God's family here on earth. So whenever I hear someone talk bad about a church down the street or a church somewhere, you heard something on the internet, I just say, stop it. That is your brother and that is your sister. And we have to behave in a manner that is becoming of the kingdom of God. Um, We're not perfect, Never will be this side of eternity. But here's the thing. Perfection resides within us. He who is perfect resides on the inside of us. So we can behave in a way that truly protects and brings unity one to another. And rather than point fingers, let's join arms with one another. And let us be that demonstration to a world that is desperate to see what Jesus actually looks like. Amen? And when I was studying this, I was, this is such a beautiful thought. We do not have to create unity. It's already here by his spirit. Unity is here. Unity is here working by the spirit of God. It says in Ephesians 1, just in verse 3, it says, Make every effort to preserve the unity the spirit has already created. That's our job. God did the work. Now we carry it out. On his behalf. And it says, already created with peace binding you together. Our job is to guard that unity. It's powerful. Number two, we're going to see in the scripture, the power of diversity. God didn't make it easy. But he made it great. Because diversity sometimes challenges us. Because we don't all get each other the way that... But we have to learn to get to know each other. John and I could not be more different. And I used to think that was our problem in our marriage. He is so different from me. And I've discovered that's such a gift. That we aren't all the same. We are actually diverse. And here it says in verse 11, And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles some with grace to be prophets, and some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. As they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. So in any relationship, the challenge of diversity and the differences are actually, they're real. The struggle is real. But it's important, again, guarding and preserving the unity that is already there, that we embrace it rather than, than resent it. That we draw close to one another, and our diversity makes us more beautiful, makes us stronger, makes us more effective than if we were trying to do it on our own and we were all the same. It's, it's actually that beautiful picture of harmony. I love the thought of, of harmony. And the Bible talks about that, of preserving the harmony that is produced by the Spirit. Harmony means we're not all singing the same part. But we have one conductor. And he is leading the choir and the orchestra. And you sing your part or you play your part, but keep your eyes on the conductor, not on everybody else who isn't doing it exactly the same as you. 
But if we're following his lead, we're going to get to where God's called us to go. We are different, but it's a glorious sound that that I believe is a, a sound that resonates through earth. That is the sound of heaven on earth. When Christians, when the family behaves beautifully and together. Amen? So, did you just have Thanksgiving dinner? We did. And, uh, but what if you had put on a Thanksgiving dinner and uh, you just said, everybody bring something that would, you know, be of Thanksgiving, you know, to Thanksgiving. What if everybody brought potatoes? Some of you would think that's fine. I have a granddaughter that thinks that's fine. That's all I came for. Maybe a little salt and butter on it and maybe a little gravy, but she's happy with potatoes. But if everybody brought potatoes, come on. We want the turkey, we want the gravy, we want the stuffing, we want the whole thing, we want the pumpkin pie. We want all the different parts coming together, and when it's all on the table together, it's like, wow, that is fantastic. Or I love the analogy of a chocolate cake. Anybody like chocolate cake? Of course we do. And if you don't, you need prayer. But um, (laughs) chocolate cake is pretty fantastic. But I was thinking about this one day. I was teaching a message on, on the analogy of God has stocked the cupboard of your life. God decided what he put on the inside of you. That is your calling and your gifting. You didn't wake up and think, I picked that. No, God chose you to fulfill a very specific pl- a plan that he has for you while you're here on this earth. So he stocked your cupboards. He put inside of you everything you need. And so our job is to fling open the doors of our hearts, of our lives, and say, what is here, God, that can be used for your purpose and kingdom? And when I think of that in, in, in making a chocolate cake, somebody's cocoa, somebody's salt, somebody is butter, yay. Somebody is flour, somebody is baking powder, what have I missed, eggs. And, but all the different parts, you put it together, and it's awesome. But have you ever eaten salt just on its own or baking powder or cocoa or sugar? It's not great on its own. You put it together, now we have something delicious and something that's fantastic. So church, fling open the cupboard of your life. So what if you're not like anybody else? You do you. And you do it beautifully. You bring the gift to the table. You open up the cupboard of life. Somebody might have told you someday, you're not worth anything. You know, John, all of his life as a child was told these words. You are a no good for nothing. Well, that's not true. But if you believe it, you live small. But when you wake up and God begins to show you who you are, you begin to take those lies and say, you're under my feet, devil. I am giving what I have, and it may not look like much, but they need me. Sometimes you think it doesn't matter if I show up at church or not. I want to tell you, it matters. You being here is not just one of the crowd. You being here is one of the family, and it matters. When I sat with my family last Monday for Thanksgiving dinner, every seat was filled. Everybody, I knew who was coming. They all showed up. They brought their best. It was an amazing experience. I would have missed it if one of them weren't here. You are not one in a crowd that's lost. You are one in a family that is desperately needed. And the diversity and the beauty of who you are is essential to what, we're, what God is building here. Number three is maturity. We've got to grow up. We need unity. We need diversity. But we need to grow up into all that God has called us to be.
In verse 13, it says these grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith, until we all experience the fullness <clears throat> of what it means to know the Son of God. Final, and finally, we become one perfect man. That's talking about a person with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. Verse 14, and then our immaturity will end. And we will not be easily shaken by trouble, nor led astray by novel teachings or the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. Time to grow up, church. To, to grow up and to be that representation. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus yet, I pray by the end of the day, we will have, you will have said yes to that invitation to say, count me in, I want to be a follower of Christ. And, I, and you come in, and you come in really as a baby, as we all do. But the beauty is we get to grow in this relationship with God. We don't just stay one day old in the kingdom either. It's like a true birthday. We're born again. And now we get to grow up in that. And maturity is a beautiful thing in, in developing believers. There is no greater joy. We as pastors, I know we chatted about this last night, talking about some of amazing you people. And we were, they were all great stories of how you're growing, how you're changing, how you're transforming. We heard a beautiful testimony last night. And it was so exciting. We started here, but this is where we are today. We are maturing, and it's a beautiful thing for the kingdom of God and the family of God to mature. And maturity is knowing we're still learning. We're not perfect. And everybody has room to grow. But we're also quick to extend that grace to others. God has given me grace. I give you grace. And we grow together. So we forgive easily. That's a sign of maturity. Yeah. Let it go. Yeah. Just drop it. You got offended? Hallelujah. <laughs> this is how I say it. Ouch. Hallelujah. It hurts, but get over it. Don't stay offended. Shake it off. Shake it off. I could sing a song, but she does it way cuter. We honor well. We speak well of others. We honor people. Out of our lips are words that bless people. We take care of each other. That's the beauty of family. If one hurts, there we are to help, to serve, to come alongside. And we don't just do what's best for us. We do what's best for the family. That's growing up. We serve each other. What do you need? Here's my cupboard. What do you need? Let me help it. And help me be a part of leaning in and bringing what I have to the table. We serve each other, and we're real and authentic with, with one another. Can I tell you that's a sign of great maturity? Where trust has been developed in relationship where now we can be real with each other. Take the mask off. You don't have to have a mask. You get to be who you are. And sometimes it's not so beautiful because the stuff that has maybe marred our spirit, we've made bad choices. But in God's family, you don't get kicked out. You are loved through the mess. And you get to bring your messy self. I get to bring my messy self, but we're growing up. I don't want to stay messy. I want to grow up and get to where God wants me to go. And we're real and authentic because authenticity is a hallmark of maturity. And then number four is growth. Look what's happened as you've gathered together. You're growing. And, and these are amazing days and miraculous days. What's happened here through Nova Church is actually a sign and a wonder. You need to know that. But this isn't as big as you're going to grow. There is so much ahead for you. And it's going to take all of you bringing your strength, walking in unity, 
to keep growing. And you will look back on these days, which you will call the early days one day. And you will remember when you got to be a part of seeing the church grow to where it is. Ten years from now, you'll look back. Your children will be a different age. You'll be a different. Some of you may be married. Some of you may have children. I don't so become grandparents, whatever it is, but you will look back on these days and see how God has used your life and your family to be a part of growing Nova Church to what it is about to become. These are great days. And don't miss these great days looking for the day because there is another day coming. But in the meanwhile, celebrate this, but with faith look forward and make room for more. Amen? In verse 15, it says, but instead we will remain strong and always sincere in our love and express the truth. In our, all our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body, the church. For this body has been formed in his image and it's closely joined together, constantly connected as one. And every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body. We are built up and made perfect in love. I honestly believe one of the greatest signs to the world that there is a God in heaven who loves them and sees them is how we behave here on earth and how we love. By this will all men know that you're my disciples, by the way you love one another. And that passion, it says, John 13, 35, for when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know you are my true followers. Everything that is healthy grows, and a healthy family has to be well-nourished to grow well. And you are in a healthy, vibrant soil that's here at Nova Church. It's healthy. It's so obvious to me how healthy it is. And I can encourage you, you can put your roots down deep here. And you can trust that God will grow your life. And you'll have the experience, the opportunity to really know true love in a way that is beyond your wildest dreams and expectations. So let's just start at the top quickly and go through this. Team, you can come up here as I'm getting ready to close. It starts with unity. Again, the Holy Spirit has already produced it. It is our job to operate in it. Um, diversity. We're supernaturally one, but we're all naturally different. So the challenge has begun. And so what we're to do is to complete one another, not to compete with one another. We have to grow in maturity. We have to grow up into all things. And I love looking back and seeing where God has taken me. And I'm 63 now, but I still need to grow up. I'm not done changing and growing into what God has called me to be. And then growth. It is about legacy, about generations and longevity. And Pastor Mike said it so perfectly when he talked about what God did with Hannah. It was really, really what she was praying for was a son, but she was praying for generations. And uh, on the other side, we can look at that prayer, that cry of her heart to have a child, what it produced. I'm a grandmother of eight amazing grandchildren. Our oldest granddaughter's 23. Our youngest grandson is 13. And uh, I did not know this. And it only occurred to me a number of, just several years ago, that when I was raising my children, three daughters, I was actually raising my grandchildren. 
what I was sowing into Angela, Danica, and Ashley. I was sowing into the future grandchildren I would have and great-grandchildren. I did not know that 34 years ago or 33 years ago when we said yes to planting Relate Church, what was on the other side of it. We couldn't have fathomed what God was going to do. But there was that seed of promise, that seed of hope. And I'm so glad that I said, here I am, God. If you can use my one life to make a difference here, I want to be a part of building your beautiful church. And I want to read to you some words that, I'm not going to read the whole piece. If you want to look it up, you can find it online as well. But just some beautiful words written by Pastor Robert Ferguson, who is one of the teaching pastors at Hillsong Church in Australia. He's quite a wordsmith. But these words that he has titled the beautiful church of the Lord Jesus Christ get me every time. Because what we're a part of is building his church. And the part we play isn't as huge as what we're part of. But if we don't play our part, a big piece is missing. So let's all step up together. Here he writes about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. She is the family of God on earth. Within her compass, the hungry find sustenance and the weary receive strength. She is a haven for recovering humanity. Enthralled by grace, she invites the broken, the vulnerable, and the outcast. She has the treasury of faith within her and a wealth of belonging. She is the house of heaven on earth. A representative resolute to reconcile. The word within her accepts the receptive and challenges the heartless. She is the ecclesia called out to serve the world. Calling out to welcome in, blood washed and armed with testimony, the cross is on her lips and liberates the chained and offends the unchanging. Like her master, she is pursued and she is persecuted. Yet she rises with strength in her heart and fire in her soul. She is the bride of Christ on the earth, readying herself for the day when all eyes will be upon her, prepared and presented before the Lord. The lamb for whom the world waits, who comes like the rising sun, majestic and magnificent beyond description, while she dazzles with his reflected glory, spotless, perfect and mature. She bows low to cast her crowns and passionately worship him. Her temporal gaze becomes her eternal gaze. She is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, that's what we're building. That's what we're a part of. Can I boldly share with you a vision I have for Canada? And being here is very impactful for me. I'm a Vancouver girl and I got to travel the world and one day I said to John, it's on my bucket list. I need to go to Halifax. I need to go to Charlottetown. I need to come to this part of the world. I need to see my nation. I want to see what God is doing. So being here today is significant. But I have, though we're spread out, my vision is to see life-giving churches planted across the landscape of this land. Tomorrow we're going to Peggy's Cove, probably the most iconic lighthouse in all of this nation. The world knows it. But I think of the church. 
when people see lighthouses across the breadth of this land, lighthouses where the hungry find hope. We're part of building that church. We get to be that. And you know, this is a big old country. It's just under 10 million square kilometers. It's big. And approximately 37 million, which is only 0.5% of the world's population live here. But I believe everyone gets to see and everyone gets to hear the goodness of God. That across the breadth of this land, we build life-giving churches. That we are build this life-giving church. That we are a part of putting our hand up and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. Amen. So can I pray for you? And trust God will speak deeply to your hearts. Father, I thank you for Nova Church. Truly a Nova uh, bright, shining light. Thank you for what you are doing right here, right now. And God, it's bigger than we can see. And God, I thank you that every one of us can lean in and play a part of building something that, God, it's not temporal, it's eternal. That every time we pray or every time we sow a seed, every time we show up, we serve God. It's building something that has eternity attached to it. And so, Father, I thank you that you will continue to build your church. And I thank you that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Father, I thank you for the Miller family and what you've put upon them for such a time as this. We bless them. We hold them close in our hearts. And we thank you, God, that you overshadow them. You cover them. You hold them close. We thank you for the team. We thank you for the dream team. We thank you for everyone that calls this home. And God, we thank you for the many that are yet to come and to find home here. Thank you, God, that you are building something beyond our wildest dreams and expectations because that is who you are, God. And so, God, we say, yes, count me in. I want to be a part of building your beautiful church right here, right now. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And God, even in Canada, as it is in heaven, we declare it to be so in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we all stand together? We're going to worship. In church, this isn't just a song that we put in the schedule because we have to fill in time. This is actually a song that we get to sing, sing our lungs out to the glory of God, whom we worship and we pray. So in these moments, would you just give him your best as you worship him? Amen.